What's up, everybody? What's up? What's up? Another episode of Conversations with J.A. Another episode of Conversations with J.A. I'm your host, J.A., James Anderson, (laughs) if you didn't know. Uh, Today, we want to continue our conversation on HBCUs. Why why not? But before we get to our guests, last week, I made a statement about the history of the first HBCUs. And today I stand corrected. My daughter is right. (laughs) Lincoln was the first degree granting HBCU. The first degree granting HBU. So I got to give my daughter, Bridget, some props. She was right. She's not alumni. She goes to Lincoln University. (laughs) So I want to give her her props. on being right, I can admit when I'm wrong, and I was wrong on that case. So Lincoln was the first uh, degree grand uh, university. Uh, <laughs> uh, so last week we talked uh, with my daughters, uh, who are co- current college students, about were HBCUs relevant, were why or why not, um, and we came from a college perspective. Amen. We came from a college perspective. Uh, we came from a college perspective. Uh, today, we have two young men. They're coming from a di- different perspective. I could say young men. I'm, you know, I'm young too. You know, I'm the honorary millennial, as I like to call myself. <laughs> but we're coming from two different perspectives. Uh, one gentleman went to a PWI. The other one went to an HBCU. Um, so this week we're going to talk to two men also who are in the corporate arena. So we're given a different perspective on whether HBCUs are important or whether they're not important. Uh, without further ado, I'm going to have my guests in here. And there they go. <laughs> okay, here they go. Our guests are in the building. We're going to get ready to have this creative conversation. Welcome to Creative Conversations with J.A. Gentlemen, I'm glad you accepted my invitation. And I'm going to ask you you guys to introduce yourself first. I'm going to ask Mike to introduce himself. Then I'm going to ask uh, Robert Turner to introduce himself. Mike. Big time. We made it. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes. We, we can. can. <laughs> All right. Um my name is uh, Mike Banks, and um, I 
am a senior financial analyst for a company called Crown Castle. We build uh, cell phone towers and things of that nature. Um, I went to two PWIs. I got my bachelor's from Duquesne University and uh, my MBA from Point Park, now University, James. Point Park. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, that, that that's me in a nutshell uh, from a career perspective. Robert Turner. Good, 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 good morning, good evening, whatever time it is that people will be catching the, the uh, show. Uh, J.A., I hope you have this set up where people can just stream you 24-7, 365. Yeah. So we try to we try to touch all the bases. Yeah. Um, I'm Robert Turner Jr. I am a uh, private practice attorney in the law firm of Turner and Turner, where I had the privilege of working with my dad. Um, he's about to be 76 years old on Monday, but the two of us have a general practice law firm um, in the state of Alabama. We're in Marion, Alabama. Uh, I am a historically black high school graduate of the Francis <laughs> Francis Marion High School uh, in Marion, Alabama. And then I went to Florida A&M University in Tallahassee, Florida, where I obtained my BS in business administration. And I wasn't done yet with, H with HBCUs. And I went to the Mecca, Howard University in Washington, DC. And that is where I obtained my uh, Juris Doctorate degree. Um, and I came out of Howard in 1999. So I am well-versed, uh, deeply baptized in the spirit of HBCU. <laughs> Thanks for having me on today. I appreciate you guys coming on and giving your different perspective today. Like I said, last week, whew, last week was a doozy. It was our first show. We had my daughters on giving their perspective about why our HBCU is important. And so the first question I would ask, uh, what was your back, what was your high school background? Now, cuz already told us he went to an all black school. <laughs> but how was that experience? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Mike first. Yeah, so high school for me, um, you know, my my mother, shout out to my mom, you know, Sham Boogie, I call her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I say I'd be rusted, busted, and disgusted without her. So she, you know, she she worked two jobs for the majority of my life, 20 plus years. Um, to make sure that I had everything I needed and, and, and a lot of almost all of what I wanted, you know. Um, but one of the things that she did was she, she, she worked really hard to be able to afford for me to go to um, private school, Catholic school uh, from sixth through 12th grade. So I went to Central Catholic High School right here in Pittsburgh. Um, and it, 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 you know, it's one of those things that is a PWI, primarily white institution. Um, <laughs> And you have the kind of like that Catholic school structure, um, which which tends to be a little bit more difficult than, say, like the private school or public school setting. Um, but I loved it. You know, um, I've always been around people that didn't necessarily look like me. So as far as <clears throat> for my perspective, it was never one of those things where I felt uncomfortable. Um being around people that didn't look like me, I guess, because I've always been around people that didn't look like me, primarily. Um, so yeah, I went to Central Catholic High School all four years, loved all four years, you know? Um, 
So it was really easy to transition from high school to Duquesne um, for a number of reasons, because I was used to the Catholic school setting. Um, and because I was used to being around, being in such a diverse setting all the time, um, going to a PWI, it just, it was an easy transition for me. Okay. Robert? <laughs> okay, I have, um, I have, I, I think it's a fairly diverse early, ed ed early, early childhood education background. Um, we started out, um, I started out in Birmingham and that's before we moved back to Marion. And, uh, you know, you always like to brag on yourself, but you can only remember what your parents told you. Um, my parents um, entered me into a daycare um, in a preschool or something like that when I was four years old. And they were quickly told he's already reading. Um, he's already reading. There's nothing we can do for him here. I was too young to start public school at the time. Um, so I entered a Catholic school as well. Um, they accepted me in the kindergarten um, at four years of age. So I was I was in a Catholic environment for kindergarten and the first grade. And then I transitioned to public school um, after that. Um, after that, um, I ended up coming back to Marion and I went to a I, I categorize it as a historically black high school, um, <laughs> black high school, but I was lucky. Um, I was a good test taker. And if you have children that are good test takers, the California achievement test is what they administered years ago. And then it, it ended up morphing to the Stanford achievement test or what have you. So by virtue of that, I ended up becoming a part of what they call the Duke talent identification program. Duke University Talent Identification Program. And what that did was it exposed me between my seventh and eighth grade years and then my eighth and ninth grade years and my ninth and tenth grade years. I ended up going to something called the Joseph Baldwin Academy in Kirksville, Missouri. Um, we, we studied algebra. I took algebra one and two, two summers, and then I did biology. And there were like 120 students. The first couple of years I went, there were four blacks. Uh, the last year I went, they expanded and there were seven blacks um, out of the culture. And one of the things that really jumped out to me was one of the years my roommate had reached the dorm before I did. I think this is the year between my uh, eighth and ninth grade year. And he had his radio playing the whole nine. He had set up his room. He set up his bed. And when I came into the room, he, his eyes got really big. <laughs> and he was like, are you my roommate? I said, yeah, this is the room I was assigned to. And he says, do you want me to turn my music down? Do you want me to turn my, do you want this bed? Do you want that bed? And I was like, nah, you know, you're, you're fine. But as, we, as we talked, he related to me. He was from, uh, that was some part of Kentucky, Chillicothe, Kentucky, maybe. <laughs> wow. And he, he related to me that I was the first african-american person that he had ever seen face to face you know wow. he had, of course on television and that was mm -hmm. so even in in my black high school experience and i'm gonna speed through this um i had a couple and those were six week programs so i was very young you know 12 13 and 14 <laughs> and i was away from home for six weeks um in a immersed in a predominantly white environment and 
you know so i, I think that that gave me some some an, enough diversity um to be able to know both sides or all sides um of what we deal with in this melting pot we call america wow so what was that experience like with that roommate like how how did it how did that year go how did it <laughs> it went it went well you know we, okay. we would have different conversations um it was funny in a sense because in that environment you know i, I played I played sports and stuff in high school and I was decent. Um, I tore my, tore my knee up. So I don't know what I would have ever been James. But, <laughs> no, right. but in that environment, in that summer camp environment, that six, that six week environment, man, I was Bobby Brown. I was Isaiah <laughs> Thomas. I was, <laughs> after a while I ended up, <laughs> I ended up being the superstar of, of the six-week program. I was going to the playgrounds, dropping 30 points and <laughs> winning the dance contest, and I cannot dance. <laughs> but, it, but I think it was good, but, you know, because just as just as eye-opening that was for him, it's, it was the same for me. You know, I had never really just been in a in a in, in a in a situation where I was the you know, minority by far, you know, and I had to adapt to cultures. My parents joked that my accent had changed when they picked <laughs> me up <laughs> and everything, but it, it was a good experience. Okay. So Mike, you went to, how was that going to Central Catholic? Now for everybody, that's before I preface it, Mike <laughs> is straight up Baptist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we got the Baptist singer on here and we got the Baptist preacher on here. So we don't know what could happen, what might break out. <laughs> you were you went to a Catholic school, but of course your background was, you know, straight up Baptist. How did that like was it a culture shock or was it just hey? <laughs> so about about time I got to high school, I was used to it. Okay. Um but Funny story that I remember that I'll never forget when I first went to Catholic school, Sacred Heart, uh, Sacred Heart over in Shadyside <clears throat> for sixth grade. And uh, we go to mass and lady gets up and sings this real slow, somber song. You know, it's all quiet. <laughs> and but it was beautiful. She had a beautiful voice. Right. So she gets done. And I start clapping. <laughs> and everybody's just kind of looking at me. And the kids is like, don't do that. So I was like, oh, y'all don't, y'all don't do that. Y'all don't. Oh. <laughs> so it was, it was definitely an adjustment. Um, but outside of that, I'll, I'll say outside of like the, I guess, traditions and the uh, routines or whatever you want to call it. I mean, ultimately, you know, they, 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 they do use the Bible, right? Um, <laughs> even if the priest is the only one really reading out of it, but it, it's definitely, it's definitely different. By the time I got to high school though, I was used to it. You know, I, you would have thought I was Catholic at the masses, stand up, sit down, kneel, stand up, sit down, kneel. You know, when they got in line for communion and they all went up there and did what they did, I stayed right where I was at. You know, stayed in my seat because that was that was a little different. 
Um, <laughs> I said, you know, I'll just wait till first Sunday and I'll get mine. Y'all go ahead and uh, do what y'all do. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a culture shock at first, but it was cool in the aspect of kind of similar to to relate it to basically going to a PWI is um, <clears throat> being exposed to things that you aren't necessarily used to, you know, getting to see things from a different perspective. So, okay. So, you know, here's the similarities between Catholicism and, and Christianity. Um, but, but here's the differences, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Getting to learn the, the different nuances and aspects of both. So culture shock at first, but it was cool. <laughs> so um, going to a uh, predominantly white high school, how do you think that shaped your decision of college? Was that because the topic is HBCUs, why or why not? <laughs> Did you ever think about going to an HBCU or was it always in your mind? Because Duquesne is is in Pittsburgh, it's home. So right. was it, hey, I'm going to stay home or, hey. I, I never, when I was looking at colleges, I, um, I never really looked at it from, a, I guess you could say, race perspective that's probably not the right way to say that but it was one of those things where i looked for what i what i thought that i needed or would be a good fit for me right um i looked at a couple of schools out of state um i looked at what i wanted to go to school for so uh you know i, I majored in accounting and i minored in information systems management um i looked for um ultimately if the if the if the program was strong or not right um because i didn't want to go to a school just because oh it, it look it's great here it's cool campus but the program sucks right you know right. What i mean that's not going to do me any good once i get out um so did i look at any uh hbcs i don't think so i actually you know what i did i i had i had howard was on my list <laughs> Howard was on my list. I didn't know nothing. I didn't really know anything about it. I just, you know, I just knew Howard University was an amazing institution. Um, but ultimately, I decided on Duquesne um, just because I ultimately thought it was the best fit for me. You know, it was it was uh, it was something that I was used to. I was used to that Catholic school environment. Mm -hmm. um, it was home. So I didn't have to worry about having to wear shoes in the shower and all that nonsense because <laughs> that was just nasty to me. And then, um, you know, as far as like dorm life and all that stuff, I commuted all four years. I mean, I, I can get along with just about anybody, but it's kind of different when you live with people, right? I, I, I know how I like my stuff and it's not to say that I wouldn't have enjoyed it or been able to adjust, but it was just one of those things where I was like, you know what? I, I'm good with commuting all four years. I'm good with that. So, yeah, as far as from high school to college, it definitely made the transition easier because it was um, more of what I was used to, mm -hmm. um, which ultimately, you know, made it seem like it would be the best fit for me. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Robert? How, how did it shape? Was it like, hey, this is family tradition. We going to an HBCU or... Well, did you look at PWIs or was it like I'm going to an HBCU? <laughs> well, um, I actually I actually had an open mind when it came time to go to to go to college. Um, and I think that demographics in geography um, play a big role in what colleges people 
um, tend to look at mm-hmm. by being raised in the Southeast. Um, one of the things that I was fortunate enough um, to experience is the majority of the HBCUs are in the Southeast. So when we're coming up as children, um, we have, of course, here, you know, you've got the University of Alabama, you've got UAB, you have Auburn. Um, Georgia Tech is a really good academic school, University of South Alabama. But at the same time, um, within the state, we have Alabama State University, Alabama A&M, Stillman. Um, and I have family members that are alums of all of those schools. So the Magic City Classic is a tradition in Birmingham, yeah. A&M game. So you're raised on that. You know, mm-hmm. you come up, you go into the Classic, you see the bands, you see the pageantry, you see the fraternities, you see the sorority. So that's always something that you are raised up knowing so you basically come up in dual cultures um Mm -hmm. you have the opportunity to experience summer camps i went to a summer camp at sanford university one year you know that's a pwi um i attended a couple of things at the university of alabama i went to the coast guard academy in new london connecticut for uh, (laughs) a minority introduction to engineering program while Mm -hmm. i was in high school so when i came out of school i had a lot of options um but i was wanting to go into business i wanted to i knew i wanted to be an attorney but a lot of the conventional wisdom back then and i still say this to any young people that might be listening now you can go to law school or med school uh for that matter with you don't have to be pre-law or political science to go to law school so Mm -hmm. i chose business administration i wanted to go into business and i did a minor in accounting and um, when I started to do that, I kind of figured I wanted to go to a HBCU. And at that time, Florida a had one of the preeminent business administration programs in the nation. Um, I had no family connections with Florida a All of my family connections were Dillard, Alabama State, Alabama a and Stillman. And when I visited the campus that summer, it was about four and a half hours away from home which was just far enough <laughs> for me to be independent, but just close enough to where if I really got into a pitch and I wanted some red velvet cake or I wanted to come home, <laughs> uh, I could <laughs> I could do it. So uh, my decision basically came down to I wanted that experience because I'm big on comfortability. If you're smart and if you're and you're confident in yourself, um, you look you need to be in, in a comfortable environment especially in college you know i didn't want to go to a, a, an environment where i felt i had to be a student and grow up from 17 to 21 and while being a student taking on social justice issues and one of the people <laughs> are excluding me from their study groups i didn't need all of that i just wanted to when you watch penn state play or you watch Pitt play, or you watch Alabama and Auburn, and you see this wave of fans, and they're all in solidarity, and you look at the parties afterwards, they're comfortable in that environment. They, they party, they're around people that think like them, act like them. So it enhances the study, you know, the, the student environment. I wanted that same thing, you know, so at Florida a it's like a huge family. And it's not a small school. I mean, you know, comparative to, to Alabama and Auburn with over 30,000, 40,000 people. Yeah. But FAMU is like over 10,000 students, man. 
Oh, wow. And people are there from everywhere. You know, it's a state school with a nationwide reach. So when I got down there, man, I saw that environment. I was like, this is the spot for me. You know, I can get down here and find myself <laughs> um, and, and be comfortable and get a, an enrich and an enriching um, educational experience. And that's what I had. Okay. Hell, that's good. Now, me and Mike, we're from like the East Coast and you're from South. Yes, <laughs> so sir. how do you think that experience, like what was your experience? I want to say growing up. So because we see. You know, and I've been to Alabama <laughs> for family reunions, and it's a right. it's a different it's a different it's, um it's different. place than Pittsburgh. <laughs> I spent some now, time in Birmingham and conferences and stuff. It's different down there. Now they're nice, but they're it's nice. definitely different. <laughs> it is definitely different. Yes, so sir. how was it growing up? Um, especially, you know. And even our family, now we have civil rights, you know, activists and the things like that. So how was it growing up in, you know, in Alabama? Mm, I loved it. I mean, I am, <laughs> I guess, I guess so that the audience can, you know, get an idea of my perspective as opposed to what you might know historically. Um, I'm born in 73. So by 73, the civil right, all of that, the dogs and the water hoses and all right. of that. That hey, I didn't, I didn't go. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that you missed that. So, right. so we have to let the people, our northern audience and our west coast audience, understand that uh, by the time I started to come to come of age and I was in high school and all of that, you know, things were integrated. You know, we had integration. Yeah. Um, but one of the major differences, I think, in the South, and this is these are things that I picked up as I got older. Like I said, I, I went to New London, Connecticut. I went to had Missouri stuff. That was high school. In college, fam, you had an internship program. You had to have two paid internships before you graduated. One of my internships was in New York, in Manhattan, and I was in I was in Manhattan at Pfizer at their corporate headquarters for uh, six months. And the other one was in Jacksonville, Florida. So the, the biggest thing that I noticed from, you know, New York and Alabama, I can contrast those two, is the multi multiculturalism. It is in, in Alabama, we there are more people that are um, moving to places like Huntsville, Birmingham, Mobile now. But mm -hmm. coming up, either you were black or you were white. That was it. <laughs> Are you white? And uh, the time I spent in New York was was amazing because <laughs> there was just so much interaction between races, and there were you know you had Hispanics, you had uh, you know Japanese Chinese culture influences. You can go to Chinatown. Uh, you had the Italian stuff going on. I mean, it was just so much stuff, you know, and then you saw the interaction between people. Now, one thing I will say, and, and I'm going to try to be brief with this. No, we um, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we, we, we have cultural issues. Racism is a North, South, East and West problem. And we're right. seeing that while even in our politics in America yeah. right now. But the difference is, and I used to tell people all the time, the difference is in the South, you can almost tell by somebody's facial expression 
when you speak to them, <laughs> whether or not they're racist. <laughs> in New York, it is in, in in the North because of the length of time that there's been race mixing and integration and stuff like that. It's a little more subtle. It's veiled. It's still there, but it's veiled. And I think that that is the thing that I would tell people all the time when we get into these debates, kind of like what you're where you're leading us to right now. So <laughs> one thing about the South is I'm the type of guy who I work a lot better when I know how you right. feel. <laughs> when I know how you feel about me, I know how to conduct myself in your presence. And one thing that kind of gets misleading is when you're in, you know, Pittsburgh, Philly, Chicago, and all of that, you know, people are like, hey, hey, James, how you doing, man? Let's go grab some beers or whatever. And they'll do that. And it'll be interplay. But behind the scenes, yo, <laughs> <laughs> let's meet in neutral spots. If you come in my neighborhood, <laughs> I may not speak to you as heartily as I just did. But in the South, is. Hey, that that interplay was, was relatively limited, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's a little story. Um, like I've grown up in P Pittsburgh all my life, so one of my favorite shows was The Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> and I'm gonna be honest, till this day, I love The Dukes of Hazard. So, and when I was small. My parents got me a general lead. <laughs> you had a general lead? <laughs> I had a general lead. And I was like, oh, okay. It was not until I got older that I was like, wait a minute. That's a bad symbol. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, tra like traveling down south, you know, to um, going through down south. All I would see was that, that flag. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's a good flag because that's from the Duke's <laughs> So that's the cultural shock that I had. Cause I loved, I just, I can't, I was like, I love. It's not until a couple years ago being into sports and, you know, like you said, the political debates, like, oh, that flag is bad. <laughs> but I didn't have, like, and then as a kid, you just don't know. Right. I like Duke's Hazard. You know, I like Jesse Duke and Bo and Luke and of course Daisy. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I had no idea. I was and then like I was like, when I grow up, I want the car like the General Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Not understanding that big General Lee that flag side was on there, and they was just as proud. And when I think about it. I don't remember too many blacks being on this. <laughs> but that was like one of my favorite shows. But I that is then I'm trying to show like the like the cultural difference, like you're saying, like in Alabama, they or now I'm gonna say Alabama in the South, they're gonna let you know. If they like you, they like you. If they don't, you don't now here, we gotta be in class with you. And we might not see nothing until we might see your social media and be like, oh, you don't like black. <laughs> and back then, we didn't have social media, but you knew. Like, I went to um, Frick, Frick Dilworth, and that was kind of mixed school. And so that was like, that was in middle school. And um, grade school, it was basically all black school. Crescent, shout out Crescent. <laughs> But in my middle school years, it was a culture shock for me 
because I'm like, oh, there's white people. <laughs> and so it was it was like a cultural shock. And you could like you could tell some of the white kids, they was kind of on edge because you know that their parents were saying stuff at home. <laughs> and they come into school and they, they had an entitlement issue, too. I noticed that, like even in middle school, they just had a, a huge entitlement issue. But it was a, such a just a cultural shock for me, even in middle school. Like, oh, these are white kids. Wait a minute, <laughs> and you hear so, and you hear the the negative about white people, and and so you like you're a little on edge. But I just wanted to tell that, like, <laughs> I love the General Lee. <laughs> <laughs> you you probably so, not alone, you know, man. I could I could rattle off. <laughs> Probably every character that appeared on that show. You, you are right. Exactly right <laughs> it was just like, oh my god, and I'm and and I'm my only child, so I was a little bit sheltered. So like race, that wasn't. Uh, I really didn't know what that was. Like I didn't really like like Mike. You were saying like it wasn't a racial thing. If that doesn't make sense, but I right. was kind of sheltered because I live in a black community. I went to a black, you know, grade school, so I didn't really travel too much far outside of my community. So, so race, I didn't really understand what that meant. But you know, the topic is why HBCUs, why or why not? And so, I want to go to you, Mike. Mm -hmm. um, what was your college experience like? Did you feel like you were treated different, or being a Central Catholic, you were just used? To the way things were i mean you know for me i <clears throat> have i experienced racism in my life sure you know have i have i have i heard the oh you speak so well uh, <laughs> oh you oh you're, oh you're so different I, yes i have um but is it is it something that has been a deterrent for me or is it something that i took offense to, um, in most cases, unless, unless it's just some blatant, you know, disrespectful type stuff. No. Why? Because it, in my experience, anytime I have run into that, it has not been because the person themselves was, was, was hateful. Um, but more so maybe ignorant or just don't, just don't know. They don't know. They have a different perspective. Right. So, um, for me, uh, my four years in college, uh, undergrad, and then year, year and a half in, uh, my, for my master's, I loved it. You know, I, I didn't have any really any issues. But, and, and that's my story. My story may not be the same as other folks, right? Mm -hmm. um, my, so my perspective is a little bit different. Even in high school, you know, I, I, high school, college, I would hear things. I would hear other, you know, Black students talking about what they've experienced. And it'd be one of those things where it's like, well, I, I really can't add to this conversation because mm -hmm. that's not my story. Right. I never really felt like I was at a disadvantage. I never felt that I was treated different. And if, if there was someone that was like trying to impose that upon me, call me naive, call me oblivious, call me whatever you want. But I just didn't, it just didn't affect me. Um, because it was one of those things where it was like at the end of the day, um, I'm here. I'm here for a reason. I'm right. here for a purpose. I, I've got a goal that I'm trying to set. And at the end of the day, 
regardless of your ignorance or your difference of perspective, I still got to get the job done of what I'm here to do. Right. You know what I mean? And Duquesne costs too much money <laughs> to, to be getting caught up and 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 wanting to and and feeling all that stuff. I'm like, no. Nope. So maybe it's that I, you know, have just over the years unknowingly developed blockers to that kind of stuff. Mm. But I also, you know, I just I this is gonna sound bad, but I, I kind of feel like, and this is not to say that these things aren't real, but I kind of feel like specifically in today's day and age, because of all the nonsense that we see as far as, you know, in our politics and on the news and everything else, we are an extremely sensitive society. You know what I mean? Um, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, but I, I think sometimes there's certain things that get so much focus it's like smoke and mirrors, right? It's like draw your focus to this, which is important, but maybe not as important of what's really going on behind the scenes that you're not even paying attention to because you're so focused on something else, you know? Um, so like, I mean, case in point, you're talking about when you said the General Lee, right? Now, when you were growing up, you didn't really know what that meant, no. right? So you're just like, hey, that car is, that car is dope. <laughs> right the orange got the symbol and all that stuff not knowing the symbolism behind the flag and now in today's day and age because you know there is such a focus and a dial-in on race now everybody kind of knows what that flag stands for <clears throat> is the symbolism behind the flag bad yes but what should we really be focused on a flag that don't hurt nobody or should we be focused on, you know, what's really happening out here in the world? You know, I mean, kind of smoke and mirrors. So for me, it's just one of those things where I, I didn't, I can say that my story in a PWI is not, probably not like most other Black people, but I didn't mm -hmm. really run into that at all. I mean, even friends groups, you know, I went to the, I went to the parties and stuff like that. Not all the time, because they was kind of crazy for me. But, uh, <laughs> You know, I would go to the parties and I would be, I might be the only, like I say, I, sometimes I say I'm, I'm the only choc chocolate chip in that bag of marshmallows. Right. <laughs> but, um, but it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me because it was one of those things. Nobody ever really, in my experience, I've never run into situations like that where I've been treated any different. And I make it a point to, um, at the end of the day, yeah, I'm black, but I'm, I'm Mike, I'm a person, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So you treat me right, I treat you right. You know, so that's that's just my experience. So have you always had, like growing up, have you always just had this perspective? This is how, I'm going to say, how how Shan has raised you or this is just how you always. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was one of those things where, you know, like like I said, my mom worked two jobs for, for 20 plus years. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because she wanted to provide for me what she believed was the 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 best education and best experience mm -hmm. that I could possibly have. And I remember coming up, you know, growing up now, you know, I'm only 30, but I remember growing up, my mom used to say all the time, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with being around your people. But when you get out here in the in the world, you're not always going to be around your people. 
So you need to you need to know how to um, work with, get along with, deal with whatever uh, all different kinds of people, whether it be race, mm -hmm. religion, sexual orientation, whatever. And 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 I I, I still believe that to this day, and I feel that um, you know I, I'm where I am today because of that mindset. You know, I mean, I've got friends of all different races and religions and all that stuff. Uh, and yeah, I mean, yeah. So I definitely think it's an upbringing. Um, it, it's a mindset. It's it's definitely a mindset. You know, racism is real. <laughs> it very much is. Like I, I would never downplay that by any means. But I, I definitely think that, uh, you know, in not all situations, but some situations, um, and in in my experience, anything that I've been involved in or gone through, it's all in kind of what I made it. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I just want to. We're talking to Brother Mike Banks, Pastor Robert <laughs> Turner. And we're talking about HBCUs, why or why not? But the reason why uh, we created Creative Conversations because, like Mike said, we're in such a sensitive society, and I believe, and we're in such a cancel culture that yes. if I don't agree with you, I'm canceling you. And that so is I just terrible. Wanna, I just want to have these conversations where I might not think like you think. You might not mm -hmm. even like what my guests think, but I think that we can draw some perspective and we can even be educated better if we, you know, educated better from people who don't think like we think. Right. Or who don't look like we look. I think that is a big problem in this country that if we don't look alike or if we disagree, if, hey, if I'm a Trump supporter, I'm canceling you. you know? Right. <laughs> and then on the other side, you got a president that says, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Smoke and mirrors. That's what right. smoke and mirrors, man. No, yeah, smoke and mirrors. So I just yeah. wanted to have a dialogue with people that have different perspectives. And we we at the end of the day, we get still get along. <laughs> we still love one another. This is my brother. This is my cousin. You know, so, <laughs> we basically blood, but if we yeah. don't agree. We, we ain't going to hate one another. And I just wanted no. to provide that example that we're going to have different opinions. Say, hey, some people like Mike, some people like LeBron, you know? But at the end of the day, we ain't going, you know, <laughs> in, in the family, like, we ain't going to not speak because we we sure. disagree. And, I, and this is the reason why I wanted to have uh, this, uh, like I call it, creative conversation, because it's going to be a conversation that might step on people's toes or people might not dis might disagree with. But at the end of the day, I think that if we respect one another, that's the most important thing. And so, uh, Robert, how was your HBCU experience? It was it was eye opening. Um, one of the mm. things that I think is the biggest misconception about HBCUs is that it's a, an entirely homogeneous experience where everybody thinks alike and it's all pro-black <laughs> all of the time. Um, human beings share certain commonalities that cross racial, mm -hmm. geographic, you know, all types of lines. So 
it's it's not an environment where you go and it's just a big party every day all day the classroom the classroom discussions are not discussions wherein everybody takes the same approach and the same opinion um it's not an environment where there is anti-black or anti-white rhetoric being taught to the students it is an academic environment using the same textbooks that you will find at PWIs. There are students, there are African-American students that come to HBCUs and the HBCU experience is their first experience in being <laughs> around a lot of African-Americans mm-hmm. because they came up in uh, Silicon Valley. Um, some of them were raised in you know, upper, uh, upper New York, Buffalo, you know, different places. I mean, they come from all Kansas, you know, they come from (laughs) suburban neighborhoods where they went to a, you know, really prestigious high school that was, you know, PWI. And this is their first real encounter being around a lot of minorities. So there are African-American Republic, listen to me. I want y'all to listen to me. There are (laughs) African-American conservatives, there are African-American Republicans. Mm-hmm. There are kids that come to HBCUs that are from um, seven-figure households that come to college driving Mercedes and BMWs and Lambos. <laughs> and, it, and by the same token, there are people that are the first generation college student you know, to ever make it. So one of the biggest misconceptions is that it's just all pro-black all the time and anti everything else you get the exact same experience where you are like i can't believe this person is so conservative you know i can't believe that this person is so bougie you know you have people are people and what we do is we tend to assign our beliefs and our uh experiences based solely on skin color you can go to an HBCU and get into some of the most spirited debates and get just as angry talking to somebody that shares your skin color as you can by watching Fox News. Because <laughs> yeah. believe it or not, there are African-Americans that are avid Fox News advocates and in our staunch conservatives. Not every black is a flaming liberal, as people like to call it. And mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about HBCUs is that you don't understand how the world works you know, if you attend one of these institutions. So one of the biggest adjustments that I had to make is being so deeply Southern. And, um, <laughs> you know, I was, I told you, I thought I was an athlete or whatever. So I go to college and all of my gear has my little football, <laughs> football shirts, <laughs> <laughs> my little basketball jacket from when we won the little state championship. <laughs> and then these brothers start coming on the campus from Chicago and from New York with the turtlenecks and the gear and the big coats and the well manicured haircuts. So the first thing <laughs> I had to do was like, mom and daddy, y'all need to send me some money. I got to buy some clothes. I will <laughs> so my experience, you know, academically, I was challenged uh, socially. Um, I ended up doing the fraternity stuff, you know, the 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 intake process 
Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm more than 30, Mike. So it was a little different um, <laughs> yeah, back then. So I, I did that. Uh, I enjoyed, I mean, I enjoyed college tremendously. One of the things that um, I will add, and this is not at every HBCU, but I can speak for mine. We sang the Negro National Anthem, you know, by James Weldon Johnson at every assembly program. Um, during our, our business school, we had what was called the forum series where we would bring in CEOs and presidents and VPs from Fortune 500 companies every Wednesday. And we would have to dress up in suits, no earrings, um, <laughs> business attire, charcoal gray, gray <laughs> or navy blue suits. You know, because we were entered, we knew that we would be going into corporate America and we didn't want to go into corporate America wearing green and orange suits and gaiters and thinking people were going to hire you at your interview. You know, you come in there with those three quarter length coats that people like to wear to the Baptist church. You yes. know, was like, nah, bro. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah no. And but that whole. Uh, experience of knowing every stanza to lift every voice and sing, you know, that is huge, man. And, and the fact that we did that all of the time, you know, was, was so enriching, man. And the thing about uh, HBCU, when you get deep in it and you see people crying at graduation, this is a true story, man. At some institutions, when people graduate and you see them crying, it's like they're just so happy that they got their degree and that they made it <laughs> and they accomplished their goal. So I cried because I wasn't ready to leave. Yeah. <laughs> I was not ready to leave because you make lifelong friends and associates and the connections that we make from that environment, man, are just... You know, it's just innumerable. I could get on here and throw out some names of some family alums that I'm tight with, that I'm really cool, that I am my cell phone right now. And people be like, wow, do you really know him? Do you really know her? I'm like, yes, I do. Um, and I don't know if I would have been able to have such an extensive connection with this many African-Americans that are movers and shakers worldwide, because there's just so many of us in a concentrated space as opposed to being spread out at a PWI campus, you were we were associated with so much iron that sharpened one another that that experience right you know right now is something that I cherish, and then it continued at Howard. You know, it just went to another level at yeah. Howard because we're talking about judges, and we're talking about you know po politicians. We're talking about preeminent attorneys. I I, I can't turn on. CNN or one of those HLN shows and not see a Howard graduate or a person that I actually went to school with that are breaking down cases like the Bill Cosby case, all of that. I'm looking at people that I know, you know, people that you, like Mike said, people that you partied with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> putting on our suits and, Mike and letting them know that, let me tell you something, Florida and them and Howard are much more than party schools. You know, mm -hmm. we come out of there prepared. And and I think that that's the that's the little known fact um, that people don't understand. You go in a boy or a girl and you come out a man and a woman and you are well educated and you have been dipped into 
discussions that you know cross racial lines cross economic lines and the whole nine and that's what i was going to ask you robert i was going to say there's such a misconception about hbcus like i on my last show i talked about different world <laughs> and every every week they have they was tackling some issue right. um but even in that you had the Dwayne Waynes, you had you know the Jalisas, but you had the the Whitleys, right? And it's Whitley, yeah. Like the difference between Whitley and then when they introduced the Jada Pinkett character, right. I can't remember what her name was, but Lena it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So it's like I, I I encountered some Whitleys. You know, it's like just some people that you'll meet and you be like, yo. We have nothing. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, I'm not in her league or whatever the case may be. And that's within, that's within every race. That crosses right. cultural lines. And, and that's right. the type of thing that I was talking about. And I think that I think the important thing to to um in talking about that to understand for people to understand is is the, the message in that is that regardless of whether we look alike or not. At the end of the day, we're still all individualized people. Right. We still all come from different backgrounds and, and perspectives and upbringings and religions and whatever else. So, you know, like you said, the common misconception is because it's the HBCU, everybody's black, everybody thinks the same, everybody does the same stuff, this, that, the third. And that's not necessarily the case. Right. That's not the case at all. <laughs> right. So well, you can run into yeah you can run into some of the same like you said debates and stuff that you might have with someone that doesn't look like you with someone that does look like you you know as far as in, in my experience you know and having those debates and things like that <clears throat> ultimately you know you may not you may you may agree to disagree regardless of whether they look like you or not That's you right. know um and, and, and in some cases, in my experiences, I, I have run into situations where, you know, I've had a conversation with someone that doesn't look like me. And at the end of the conversation, they're like, wow, Mike, thank you. I'm like, for what? <laughs> and they're like, because until talking to you, I had this understanding of how something is. And that's not really the case, you know, in talking to you because you took the time to actually talk to me and have a conversation with me rather than just automatically canceling me off or whatever else. Um, I have a newfound understanding. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not as, as ignorant mm -hmm. as before, but you can have those same conversations with somebody that looks just like you. That's right. Right. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah. This is this conversation. That's why I wanted, I don't think you can hold it to just one, one show is just a great, great <laughs> right. information. And when I was, and I think that's the problem. Uh, and my daughter said that we think that black people are on a monolith. <laughs> so uh, I remember growing up when I went to Dilworth, we had a black, <laughs> a black guy um, who was, he wanted to be Alex P. Keaton, if you know, from Family Ties. <laughs> And he, he's one of my friends on here. His name is Micah Taylor. Now, he doesn't change, but he used to, he emulated Michael, <laughs> Alex P. Keaton. He wore suits to school. He he liked Ronald Reagan. And now I don't know if he really liked him or he just was emulating the show. 
He so really of course, liked it. <laughs> he wanted to be a black Republican, and this is this. It wasn't. It's not popular now, so it really wasn't popular <laughs> right then. And so people were, and I ain't gonna lie, I'll be like, oh, sell out. <laughs> like, why is he? I mean, and he would just come every day with his bow tie. <laughs> like, and we would be looking at him like, oh, he's one of them. But when now that I grow up, it's like, you can be like that if you want, and it'd be okay. That's and, right. and I mean, I think about a person like, and I hope she's listening. She's probably not. Candace Owens. A lot of people don't like what she got to say, but sometimes she be making sense. <laughs> but because she likes Trump or because she's a Republican, we tune it out. And like Mike is saying, like, there are some conversations you can have with people that have different perspectives that'll have you like, you know what? Maybe they're right. They're right about that. But because we've been so conditioned to hey, to always be want to be the one, hey, the black race, we're the we're the woke people. And, <laughs> and because if you're not woke, then you're a sellout. And it's just like we we miss such a great perspective and a great knowledge and a transfer of information from one another because we see each other as oh you should be a republican or you should be a democrat and to be honest none of those either one of those <laughs> parties have done us any good to be a, you know to be staunch for one or the other and it's just like we just I, have I to think, change our mindset i i think um and and, and again i i Going back to how I kind of said we 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 live in a very sensitive society. I I think um, that comes from the fact that just based upon the the culture that's being created, cancel culture and all that stuff, we we've we've turned into a society that's very opinionated, but also very closed minded. Exactly. I like exactly. that. So it, it's it's one of those things where I have an opinion and this is what I believe, and what I believe is right. And if you don't believe that, then we have nothing to talk about. No, that's not how that's not how that's not how it should be. Right. You know, you can you can <clears throat> you can have conservative viewpoints and, and, and beliefs. But that doesn't that doesn't mean that you hate people. That doesn't mean that you don't want right. to help people. That doesn't mean that you're racist. But that is kind of like the picture that gets painted in media and everything else. Um, and that's why it's important that you have to you, you, you kind of have to. You know, you have to protect your ear and your eye gates, as they say. Mm -hmm. um, you, you can't you can't necessarily believe and soak in everything that you see and everything that you hear. Um, some things you have to kind of really study for yourself to gain an understanding or a perspective. Um, because I think what happens is concepts that generally inherently could be good or um are positive we as people skew them otherwise right um to to fit our uh, whatever agenda you know what i mean um i mean I, you can i i, I don't want to get on a soapbox but if you look at our <laughs> politics today you see it all the time right how folks just skew things to fit their agenda you know or even even sometimes Sometimes the saints, <laughs> you know, 
We'll take a we'll take a take a scripture, take take two words out of scripture and, <laughs> and, and throw it at somebody because it fits what they think, their personal beliefs or their agenda. When in reality, if you what they say, study to show that self approve, if you really study that thing, you realize, oh, that's not what that's talking about at all. That's right. <laughs> that is exactly right. That's not that's not what that's talking. You really out here taking the word and just messing it up, right? So yeah, I you know I I and again I'm only thirty, but I I sometimes I sit back and sometimes I catch myself and I say things. I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm real old saying this, but you know the generations coming up, I I kind of worry, you know. And I'm only thirty. I'm not that far removed. But I, I kind of worry because it's like everybody is so close-minded now, you know, with cancel culture and all that. It, instead of canceling, why don't we why don't we sit down and and have a conversation and ultimately try to understand the perspective? Because in my experience, I've come to realize that a lot of times when people say crazy stuff. A lot of times it's because that's what they that's all they know. That's what they believe. That's that's their perspective. And they have not run into a situation to where anybody has taken the chance, taken the time. Now, not all the time, but they've in my experience, they've never run into somebody that has taken the time out to try to show them anything different. Mm -hmm. um, I had a conversation. I'll never forget this. This was actually in high school, not in college. But um, there was a guy that I went to high school, white guy. Um I think his first name was Ryan. I can't remember now, but uh, for whatever reason, he, Ryan was a real quiet guy. And for whatever reason, though, he just felt comfortable enough to like come and talk to me. And so one day I'm, I'm sitting at lunch and he comes and he sits down and I'm like, hey, Ryan, how you doing? I'm good. He said, Mike, can I tell you something? I'm like, yeah would like what's up he's like before coming here to central catholic mind you before coming here i had never actually been around black people before and i'm sitting there with my cheese fries i'm just kind of like oh okay you know because i'm, I'm, I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to think about why he's like telling me this right he's like yeah because before all i would ever see is what i you know, saw on TV and the news and everything like that. And, you know, since coming here and, 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 you know, you're always really nice to me and you talk to me and stuff like that. Um, even though I, you know, I can tell you, you kind of know that I'm a little bit different. Um, but y'all really ain't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I'm sitting here with my cheese fries. Yeah, people. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, no, we're really not. Mm -mm, no, y'all, yeah, no, we're really not, but okay. And, and, but rather than get it, cause like some people might've actually got like offended when he right. said that. But for me, it was one of those things where I was like, wow. Okay. That was, that was a lesson for me. Right. Because it was almost, it was like, there really are folks out here who really just have no idea their, their sole opinions their sole opinion and understanding is based upon what it is that they might see on TV or what it is that maybe their family might tell them. And they really have no experience for themselves. And sometimes when you get an experience for yourself with a thing, you realize that it may be, a, it may be different. Hmm. 
<laughs> yeah. We can talk about this all day. Yeah, this is something you could, yeah. This is just such a great topic, especially Black History Month. Yeah. Um, but I just want to get a final thought uh, on our question. I know you went to a PWI, Mike, mm-hmm. <laughs> but do you still feel like HBCUs are relevant or important? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, one thing's for sure, two things for certain. I have never been one to say, you know, oh, don't go to an HBCU or anything like that, even because I went to a PWI. No, I think that HBCUs are very much important because they they do provide an uh, if for nothing else, they provide and they provide access to learning a deeper history um, uh, about black folks, African-Americans, whatever you want to call it, um, that you may not necessarily get elsewhere. Right. So I think that in and of itself is is priceless. And that is very important because, you know, unfortunately, we don't necessarily get um, access to black history probably like we should. Right. right. Okay. Um, as far as HBCU, why or why not though? For me, it's one of those things where, and I, and I tell folks this, um, I actually just had a conversation with my niece the other day, you know, she's getting ready to, she's, she's going to be a senior next year and she's, um, looking at colleges. So I asked her what colleges she was looking, what was looking at, you know, and whenever people tell me their colleges, the next question I ask, whether it's HBCUs or PWIs, is why? Why are those schools on your list? You know, because ultimately, HBCU or not, you you need to you need to have the right reasons as to why you're choosing a school. Now, if she'd have been like, "Oh, because I heard the parties there are are dope," I'm like, eh, that might not be the reason why you choose that school, right? So HBCU or not, I think they are important. And, and like uh, Pastor, Pastor Robert said, you know, um, he came out very much prepared. And I think that's the important part, regardless of whether it's an HBCU or not. Does that institution fit ultimately what it is that you need to be successful in life? You know, because, you know, we want to see, we want to see, um, more black people in higher positions. But I kind of, I kind of, I kind of edit that a little bit because yeah, I want to see more people that look like me in these higher positions, but I want to see them successful in the positions because ain't no sense of being in the role if you just go mess it up. Right. So HBC or not, I think it's just all a matter of what fits for you. I think they're both important and you can be successful either way. Yeah. And something my, my bishop is on. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Bishop. <laughs> he has he says, does the school offer your career goals? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's important. You know, I, if I if I went to Duquesne because they have a, a excellent business program and I wanted to go for accounting, you know, now if if Duquesne didn't have an excellent business school and, and you know, and I went there anyhow for whatever reason, was that really the right choice? You know, right. So but I but long long winded answer to ultimately <laughs> say um, I think HBCUs 
are just as important and are just as valuable and you could be just as successful, um, maybe even more successful going to an HBCU versus a PWI. Ultimately, I think it really just comes down to um, kind of what Pastor Robert said in the beginning. I keep calling Pastor Robert because you call him Pastor Robert. but um, <laughs> That's fine. Uh, ultimately, it, it comes down to uh, that that comfortability as far as how what will make you be the most successful. So, mm. Pastor Robert, <laughs> um, HBCUs are they important? Are they relevant? You, they are. Um, yeah. And what I want to do is you you gave us a throwback to the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> I'm going to throw us back to one of my favorite shows which culturally had nothing to do with where I was raised, but it was Cheers. Wow, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name mm -hmm. and they're always glad you came. The, <laughs> the HBCU experience, um, to me, is still important because of the fact that before you were allowed to go anywhere. We had the Florida A&Ms, the Alabama States, the Lincolns, the Cheneys, the Winston-Salem's, the North Carolina A&Ts. And there's something to be said about being in an environment where you were welcomed, you were nurtured when nobody else wanted you, and they're still here for you whenever you need them. The thing that I believe African-Americans need to understand, and this is where my preacher comes out. <laughs> we were justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> we, were, we were qualified even when we weren't allowed. Mm. We were capable even when we weren't accepted. And if you look at world history and you, you study archaeology and you, 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 you look at all of the new facts that come out, nearly everything leads you back to the motherland. <laughs> and what happens is when you start to understand this and conceptualize this, America, and including PWIs, they have always worldwide sought out the talented 10th. Mm -hmm. of our population and wanted to bring the talented 10th in for assimilation, education, and matriculation. The other 90, which I need to, you know, qualify this, in between that talented 10th and the bottom 10, you still got a whole lot of quality. You got a whole lot of meat. Really? But Absolutely. traditionally, the predominant culture has always wanted to siphon off that talented 10th and then say, now you guys are okay. I can deal with you. You know, I like being around you, but it's that middle ground that sometimes used to get lost in the shuffle. HBCUs have always put their arms around the whole. And what our culture needs to understand is we are the product. If let me see if if Zion Williamson had signed with South Carolina State 
Zion Williamson would have still gone to the NBA. Mm. Let that sink in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if O'Neal had gone to Southern, he was 7'1", 305 pounds. <laughs> right. He was the most dominating human being. LSU did not make Shaquille O'Neal. God made Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> That's By right. the same token, there are some of us that come up, we're making above 30 on our ACTs. We're blowing out the SATs. We're honors graduates, top 10% at Catholic schools, public schools, private schools, you name it. Those students that are of African-American descent will make it at Harvard just like they would at Howard. And at some point, we have to understand that if we don't continue to support our institutions, that doesn't make you a segregationist. That does not make you racist. It just means that sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and they are always glad you came. Sometimes what, what HBCUs offer is that it can take your academic prowess and then up your swag game because you come out not only smart, but you come out having been taught, you know, how to dress, how to carry yourself in all types of situations because your knowledge is going to get you into the room. Mm-hmm. Your confidence is what keeps you in the room and makes mm. you a leader. And I think right. that what we have to do is we've got to understand that just as important as it is to put a prestigious name on your degree, you have to be, make sure that you develop yourself as a whole person. Absolutely. And be able to identify with people from all backgrounds, all races, and then never lose your own identity. Because Absolutely. if anything, political culture that we see right now, we see that there are people, man, that once they get out of college and they get out of these control settings and they start selling into their communities, they'll look at you as if they never knew you. Mm-hmm. And one thing I could say about these HBCU fans, like I'm running for office now, I'm running for district attorney. And I put out, you know, I'm, I'm raising money and stuff for the campaign or whatever. Man, listen, the response of my FAMU community and my Howard community, and some of these people live thousands of miles away. I, what I do won't even affect them. But the, the early contributions that are coming in are from those Rattlers and those Bison. You know what I mean? And it's just been overwhelming. So remember, tell your kids, your nephews, your nieces, you are the product. And what Deion Sanders is doing at Jackson State, I don't know how long he's going to be there, but it's a case study. Deion is showing everybody, look, man, if you are a five-star, the world already knows you. They've been watching you since you were in the ninth grade. (laughs) You're not going to forget how to play football by signing with Jackson State. But if we could start attracting some of our best and brightest and educate them and let them know that just because you come here doesn't mean you're going to be dumber. It's the same <laughs> textbook. It's principles of accounting. It's auditing one and two. The authors are the same. When I was at FAM, Florida State, we're using the same textbooks that we were. So if it's in you, it's going to come out. And if we Absolutely. don't continue to support these schools and pour our money into them, there's going to come a time. Look at culture. 
there's going to come a time when it's going to be harder to get into the University of Michigan law because the 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 attorneys the con christian conservative evangelical folk that are out there that are trying to strip away the civil rights voting bill and get rid of any vestiges of affirmative action those things are targeted and pointed to where the only ones of us that can get into those schools are going to be that talented 10. they're tired uh, there's a small segment of the population that's tired of that middle that ten, that that, that uh that that 11 to 89 percent they don't want them in the institute <laughs> right. right and we have to maintain places for us all to go and and that's that's my spiel maybe <laughs> controversial but that's how i see it <laughs> no i i, I agree <laughs> Definitely, i can, i agree with that i agree with that wow i just want to thank you guys for coming on conversations with ja this has been Whew, this has been informative. Every time I talk to Cuz, he always dropping some type of knowledge. And where everybody knows my name, that was so preachy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was good though. That was that was good. That was a good one. That was <laughs> I might have to. I might have to write that down. <laughs> I might have to remember that. Cheers. Remember that. Cheers. Cheers. That was good. Norm. <laughs> And I want to thank my brother Mike for coming on. Yes, Has sir. so thank much, you. so much knowledge, and he's such an old soul. <laughs> to be thirty, man. Listen, to I want to be like you. I go down. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just, I just thank you for coming on conversations with Ja. Oh man, this has been a great conversation. Uh, again, just thank you guys for coming on, and we'll be back next week with the same topic. Why? Are, why? HBCUs, HBCUs, why, why not? Thank you for joining, joining us. And uh, thank you for allowing us to have a creative, creative, creative. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, <laughs> this was just empowering. Um, just really, really yeah. empowering. I'm just, <laughs> I'm full. I'm just full. And just and another thing is just to have two African-Americans, and I'm going to do my spiel two African-American men in the corporate sector coming on. And, and my daughters talked about, what is the word they use? Code, coding or whatever. Code that language means. or something. Code like language. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just it's just refreshing. that We we ain't all rapping. We ain't playing no. football. That's we right. accountants. We pastors. You know, I'm speaking it now. We're district attorneys. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And as you know, at the family law firm, not you know, Marcus and Marcus and Smith. He's at Turner and Turner. Right. So you can achieve anything you want to do. And I just want to thank you for having this creative conversation. Peace out. Oh.